Well, good morning, church family, and welcome on this Sunday, August 23rd. Again, we are just really happy that you have joined us this morning, that you chose to just make time to get together with your family or whoever you're with at home and certainly with us in rejoicing and celebrating and uh, worshiping our God. Um, I'm really glad that the heat has kind of dissipated a little bit. I hope that you've been able to not just melt away in this past week, but we've got a little bit of a break coming up. And I know there was something I was just thinking about this morning that a lot of you are kind of really dealing with kind of the impending start of school and just all the dilemma around how that's going to work for your kids. And that's just something that we're going to keep in prayer and really encourage all of us to be praying for the families in our church that are really coming up against that um, challenging time in the upcoming weeks in starting school back again. Um, we have a wonderful time together this morning. Uh, our own brother Randy Brooks is going to be teaching us this morning. Um, really looking forward to that. And this is uh, actually, I just wanted to give you a quick update on Richie. Uh, Richie's doing really, really well. Um, he's had a really a great time off. His shingles is, he told me this morning, 90, 95% resolved. So, you know, kind of just the tail end of that, but it's really been a good time for him to kind of have some time to recover from that and just to have some vacation, just to have some time off for himself. And he and Nadine have gotten to do some fun things together and with the family. So he's back at work this next week, starting on Tuesday. Uh, he'll be teaching next weekend. So he's back in the saddle and we'll be glad to have him back. Um, this morning, the Lord just kind of put a, a passage out of Psalm 118 on my heart. Uh, it's verse 24, and it says this. It says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And that's just a message to, to all of us. Today, Sunday, August 23rd, this is the day that the Lord has made. It's a perfect day, and it may be a day that has troubles and difficulties in it, and it may be a day that has great things and rejoicing going on. But whatever is your reality today, this is the day that the Lord has made. And it is he who has made it as our sovereign, loving, good, and faithful God. And because of that, we can and should rejoice. Rejoice is a word that really translates delight. It's having actual delight in the things that are taking place in our lives, to be thankful for even the circumstances that we have, regardless of what they are, and to be glad in it. So as I pray right now just for our service today, let me just encourage you to just turn to the Lord in your heart and to express rejoicing, to express gladness, to thank him that today is the day that he has made for you. So join me in prayer. Lord, we do stop to thank you. Um, Lord, we know that there are just so many people in so many different sets of circumstances right now. But right now, Jesus, at this time, on this day, you have made this day for us. And we do rejoice. In our hearts, we choose to turn our minds and our hearts to you, to express our love, to express our thanksgiving, to express our confidence, our hope, and our joy in you. So, Lord, would you come and just be with us as we worship, as we share, as we listen to Randy's teaching. Just come and speak to us, Lord, about what you want us to do and know and, and how you are working in each of our hearts. So we give ourselves to you right now for this time together, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.
Well, good morning, everyone. This is indeed the day that the Lord has made as we prepare ourselves for our tithes and our offerings uh, this week. Um, I've been thinking a lot about generosity and giving uh, of late. Uh, I've been gone for three weeks. I've been up at, uh, up at the Klamath River uh, doing a little construction project um, and uh, by myself in a remote piece of property. Um, and uh, you're never really by yourself, however, uh, because the Lord was with me. And I, I have to tell you, I just want to share that uh, during this three weeks while I was gone and, and, and working um, uh, by myself, with the Lord, actually, um, a couple of things that he impressed upon me. Uh, first and foremost, every morning uh, I would get up uh, to, to work on this patio project uh, at, our little, at our little cabin, which is actually a trailer um, up on the Klamath River. And first thing in the morning, there are two osprey that are nesting in a tree uh, uh, right on the river. And uh, as I sit on my little deck there, the osprey nest is uh, visible. And these osprey get up in the morning, and the first thing they do right about daybreak is they, they begin to, to, to squawk. And uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a young uh, osprey in the nest uh, that has not flown yet. And the mother and father osprey begin to squawk, and then they, they fly and they, they speak all day long. And uh, it's, it's majestic, standing, looking over the Klamath River, looking at these birds that are, are doing what God designed them to do. They're raising a family in a, in, a, in a nest far up in a tree. And I'm thinking, what a gift. What a majestic gift it is from God, who gave us, after creating the earth, he gave us the earth for our joy and our stewardship, which of course is nothing compared to the absolute phenomenal, unexplainable gift of his son Jesus for us. Talk about generosity. And so for three weeks in the woods by myself, just me and the Lord looking at these things how majestic not only is his name, but his creation and his generosity got me to thinking about, what about us? What about us in, in giving back to the Lord from our first fruits, not what's left over? You see, he didn't give us anything that was left over. He gave us everything, including himself. So this morning, as we think about our giving, Go to the Lord this morning in your own heart. Prepare your heart. You see, because we are free in Christ to give as the Lord leaves, leads us to give. So this morning, go to the Lord. Think about his generosity to you and to me. The gift of everything around us. It all belongs to him. How majestic is the Lord, is his name, is his creation, is his gift to us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Oh, thank you so much, God, that you are the giver of all good things. And Lord, we just want to come to you now thinking about, Lord, how generous you are to us.
And we just want to still our hearts, Lord, as we prepare, Lord, to give back what rightfully belongs to you anyway. So thank you for the gift of all creation. Thank you for the gift, especially of your son, Jesus, for our salvation. And Lord, we acknowledge and recognize your majesty, your faithfulness, your sovereignty over everything. And we come to you now, Lord, with an open heart, prayerfully considering in freedom what to give back the resources that you have already provided us. Thank you for who you are and that our life is Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 46, 1 through 3. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And now as we transition into worship, we're going to sing a new song. It's called Graves into Gardens. And it's just a wonderful song proclaiming that nothing is better than God. And one of my favorite lines from this song is, because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And I know that's true in my life and I know in many of your lives where no matter what life throws at us, God is the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone, that he remains faithful through it all. So my prayer for this song is that wherever you're at, that you just worship in spirit and truth that you would look to the Lord this morning. Cause I searched the world But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise And treasures I fade Never enough Then you came along And put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied Here in your love No, there's nothing Show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and still you call me friend. Cause God of the mountain is the God of the valley. 
there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again and oh there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing nothing is better There's nothing better than you, oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. You turn mourning to dancing, you give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory You're the only one who can You turn graves into gardens You turn bones into armies You turn ways into highways You're the only one who turn morning you turn morning to dancing you give beauty for ashes you turn shame into glory you're the only one who can you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can no there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing nothing is There's nothing, nothing is better than you. You turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can 
there's nothing, nothing is better than you. Say one last time. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. Well, good morning, church family. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. It is time for our meet and greet. We're going to do something a little different this morning. We're actually going to have all of us here, which is not many. We're going to come up and say hi. Uh, there's typically nine to ten of us here regularly, and you may notice there's only seven of us here. Uh, Isaac and I are in the back, and they're waving and saying hello as well. So we just want to say hello to you guys. We love you. We miss you. Um, you know, and we're excited when we can all kind of do this together with one another. Um, and again, it is our meet and greet, so get your phones out and just connect with each other, say hello, good morning, and uh, let's be the church together. And now Tyler is going to give us some announcements. Thank you, Jordan. That's awesome. And Benny and Shiloh, thank you for that song. I mean, there is nothing better than God. I mean, it's just a great way to reflect. Then when Benny said, only one more time, I'm like, I could sing that all day long. So my encouragement to you, just keep meditating on that over and over again. And it's just, I mean, great, great song. It's, all, it's awesome. So um, first I'd like to start. This is a, a special day to me because it's, um, and I don't know why I got choked up. Okay, I'm going to come to the end. So I'm going to go ahead and get on with announcements, and then you'll figure out why I'm all choked up. They do call me a crybaby here, because I am. But um, on Wednesday the 26th, we're going to have Wednesday at the Well again. It's just going to be a great opportunity to fellowship and hang out together. Um, I wanted to tell you what it sort of entails. So you have to go to our website. You have to sign up for it. Um, there's a registration for it. There is no limit. So if your excuse is, I want to let somebody else go, that is gone. So please come and join us. We start off, we just have some fellowship, we have some worship, and we're also going to do a Devo as well. And I don't know if you know who's going to be doing our Devo, but it's a guy that you might know. He's our lead pastor here, and his name is Richie. So please come and say hi. And it's just going to be a great night together of fellowship. And to get back to what I was going to say is happy birthday, Dad. Now let's see what King of Kids has to say. As our children return back to school, we come to you for wisdom, wisdom in this new normal of social distancing and distant learning. You knew what we would be facing in 2020. The tasks and decisions that are being made seem so daunting at times, but that is when we realize we must surrender all to you. We are believing you for protection for our children, teachers, administrators, and all personnel returning to work this school year. Lord, we come asking you to first give reassurance to our teachers. We come against fear and anxiety. Lord, go before them, protect them, 
Give our teachers new ideas and a joy of teaching that excites their students. May their enthusiasm be felt by every child they connect with in the classroom or via computer. Lord, we pray for each child to be focused and ready to learn on day one. Lord, be the source that provides for every child to have what is needed. Provide the resources for materials, computers, internet, food, whatever is needed so no child is left behind. Lord, as kitchens, dining rooms, and living rooms are turning into classrooms, let these be places filled with a sense of peace and an environment ready to learn. We will not be able to do any of these things without your help, Lord. Lord, we come and we repent when we have lost focus, when we have not done what we needed to do, when we have placed you second, when we have not put you first in the classroom. And this year, Father, we're coming to you first. We're asking that you get us ready, Lord. We're asking that you get our teachers ready, Lord. We're asking that you get us as parents ready. And we know with you, Lord, all things are possible. And we look forward to a great school year. It is in your darling son, Jesus' name we pray. And thank you, Lord. Amen. Welcome to the well, church family. It is an honor and a privilege to be here today filling the pulpit for uh, my friend, Pastor Richie. I'd like to give a special shout out to uh, the entire church family here at the well. Uh, our Tuesday night Bible study, a special shout out to the Dodger family at Top Deck Ministries on Facebook. Uh, welcome, everyone. Today's message uh, is titled, Jesus is 100% Trustworthy. Uh, it is a tremendous honor to be filling the pulpit for me for the first time since uh, 2017 BC. That's before cancer. Um, after the Lord cured me from cancer and took it from my body, uh, the Lord sent my family on a journey to find a church family uh, closer to home. And it led us here to the well, and we are eternally grateful for all that that has meant and just amazement at what the Holy Spirit has done through our inclusion here, and we thank everyone for that. Uh, today's message, and I, uh, I like to saturate these teachings and messages with Scripture. I think it's a great place to go. So if you didn't know, near 30% of God's Word is prophecy. And most of that is about the times that I believe that we're living in right now, in times prophecy. In the news, we have Israel. In the last week, week and a half, we've got peace deals with the United Arab Emirates. Naturally, Iran is a bad actor in the, in the region, and they're constantly vowing to destroy Israel. There's nuclear weapons, violence and unrest around the world and at home. In times prophecy is unfolding before our very eyes. Speculation, opinion, predictions, false teaching, we hear every day. Questions we have and we hear repeatedly, is this the end times? Is this the tribulation? So what does the Bible say about it? The rapture of his church is the very beginning of that. The wrath of the lamb on the world left behind, immediately following. Jesus' glorious return to rule this earth with his church for a thousand years, 
immediately following seven years of tribulation. His final judgment on those that rejected him and much more immediately following the thousand-year reign. Oftentimes, believers are uneasy about the study of the end times because we don't understand it, or we have a complete and incomplete knowledge of it. End times prophecy details consequences of rejecting Jesus. The rest of Scripture tells us how to love God, love each other, and live as he wants us to. That's why so many prefer not to study end times prophecy. It's viewed as not such good news. There's three areas of end times prophecy, the rapture, great news for believers, the wrath and the antichrist, not such great news for non-believers, the second coming of Jesus, great news again for believers. Today, we're going to look at what God's word promises us regarding the rapture. Now, before we go down this road, we're going to talk about essential and non-essential doctrine. Whether you believe in the tribulation of pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation rapture, that is not a deal breaker. But we're going to see what God's word has to say about it. Before the very noticeable, audible, and visible second coming of Jesus on the post-tribulation world, very private, personal, and glorious rapture of Jesus' church for all who believe and all who have believed prior to the tribulation. It's going to be impossible for me to navigate through this without you understanding where I come from and the position that I have in that pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib debate, if you will. I believe Jesus will rapture his church before the wrath and the destruction begin. When will it happen, you ask? What are the signs to look for? In Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 8, Now as he, Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age, specifically the church age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, that's a virus, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So, according to Jesus, we're not in the tribulation, amen? What is the beginning of sorrows then? It's a point of no return, evidence of the unavoidable, no turning back. Jesus said, these things must come to pass. Over the next couple thousand years, of course, not isolated incidences because there have been pestilences come and gone. There have been wars and rumors of wars, so forth and so on. But a noticeable increase in the frequency, the closer to the end that we come. In Matthew 24, 9, then we will deliver you up to tribulation, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. This is the disciples, soon to be the apostles. Uplifting, isn't it? Uh, verse 10, and then many will be offended. Some translations will say fall away. Will betray one another and will hate one another. Offended by what? God's word. His position on racism, abortion, sexual immorality, gay marriage. You know, in 2008 in the state of California, there was a ballot measure 
about gay marriage. And many, uh, many churches in the valley and around the state of California, because it was a morality issue on the ballot, were, were, uh, it was acceptable for the church to take a position on these things. And I remember uh, here in the valley uh, being associated with a church where we had a, a visible area on the, on the highway where we contacted the campaign. There was another ballot measure that year having to do with uh, parental consent for abortion. And we offered the church's property to put a rather large double-sided campaign sign on the church's property right at a major intersection in the valley. And over the course of the time period of that signage, it was repeatedly vandalized, mowed over, chained up and pulled down by vehicles. And we'd contact the campaign. By the time we got to the November election, that thing looked like three pigs construction on the side of the road, but it withstood the stand. But this is the opposition to God's word. Uh, lately, state of California flies a, a rainbow flag on the Capitol. In the city of Ventura, it has been flown on the city hall. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that are happening in our, in our world. Uh, Christians are made to feel like and portrayed as haters. An ungodly society has zero use for any moral compass, no restraint whatsoever. In Matthew 24, 11, he continues, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. So what do we do about that? First, we have to spot the counterfeit, self-proclaimed apostles, prosperity teachers, name it and claim it, faith healers and modern day prophets, all that deny the Holy Trinity, etc. Second, we need to study the word. Spend some of this newfound time at home studying God's word. Avail yourselves of any of our Bible studies. Get to know the character of your Lord and Savior. Put what you've learned about love and grace into action. And third, we need to recognize false doctrine. Know the doctrine of truth, God's word. Look for those requiring works for salvation and not grace. Those requiring a specific Sabbath day, food restrictions, adding to or taking away from this word of truth, those refusing Jesus as the Messiah. In Matthew 24, 12, he continues, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. So let's unpack this a bit. Lawlessness increased. Riots in the street, destruction of public and personal property, looting of businesses, setting fire to everything, believing you're entitled to anything you want, physical violence unrestrained, no authority stepping in to protect. Love of many growing cold. Distrust authority. Presence of law enforcement shifts from friend to foe. Law enforcement perceived as the enemy. Racial hatred. Lack of tolerance for those that don't look like, act like, or uh, think like we do. Hatred of anyone that stands in opposition to and calls out sin. Matthew 24, 13. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The ones keeping the faith are the ones who are saved. Part of God's saving grace is securing our perseverance. Not to suggest that our perseverance secures our salvation, rather an indwelling Holy Spirit secures our salvation. Those who don't endure didn't have the Holy Spirit. Sadly, some even in the church will fall away. Matthew 24, 14, and the gospel of the kingdom 
will be proclaimed throughout the world, whole world, as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This is good news. Spreading the gospel can't be stopped by the evil one of this world. The apostles showed the way, the saints followed the example, and the rest is history. 2,000 years of missionary work all over the world with the internet today, smartphones, everyone in developed nations have the word readily available for free. Undeveloped nations have missionaries. Even today, through YouTube, God's message is getting out. Then the end will come. This is a prophetic promise. In Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. God wants us to know the signs. He doesn't want us predicting the future. He wants us to live like every day could be the day. When uh, my beloved wife of 35 plus years was pregnant with each of our sons, it was evident that the day was drawing near. What wasn't evident was the day, the hour, the minute, the second that it was going to happen. Although great fun and office pools and church pools and whatnot were, were hilarious, we knew that the day was coming, but we didn't know that day. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 22 through 24, and he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it, and they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow him. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. This happens in an instant. Luke 17, 25 through 30. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day, that's one historic day, when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day, one historic day, when Lot went out of Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day, again, one historic day, when the Son of Man is revealed. When Jesus returns, second coming, and rules the world with the saints, believers, the wrath and the destruction are over. Let's not get bogged down here. We need to look at the evidence of what Jesus said, the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Let's compare the similarities between Noah's day, Lot's day, and for what it's worth, today. Rampant immorality and violence covered the earth. Business atmosphere with economic and social normalcy. Righteous living of Noah and Lot. The sudden rescue of the righteous before the judgment falls. Jesus wanted the church to be comforted by the very specific conditions to look for prior to him rapturing his church. What happens immediately following the rapture, you ask? Well, we can read in Revelation 6 that the rider of the pale horse kills a quarter of mankind. Give or take, there's approximately 8 
billion with a B people on planet Earth as we speak, that would be two billion people given the authority to wipe out in a second. Revelation 9, three plagues kill a third of who's left of mankind, and that doesn't even count the many other judgments in the book of Revelation. At the end of the tribulation, well over half of humanity is dead. All sea life is dead. The earth is burned up, hit by a meteor. The earth is a smoldering ruin. If the church was to go through the tribulation, judgment, and wrath, Jesus would never have told us that life on earth would be business as usual. He wouldn't have told us it would be like Noah's day and like Lot's day because they were taken out before the wrath came. Not a single drop of rain fell on the heads of Noah or his family. God closed the door and sealed them up in the ark. Then the rain fell and the destruction came. Now, some might argue that Noah and family still went through the flood. Uh, they actually didn't. They were lifted above the flood, just as we'll be lifted above the destruction of the tribulation. Believers will be in heaven with the Lord at the marriage supper of the Lamb, while the wrath of the Lamb, the tribulation, is taking place on earth. So let's go back to Lot, because I don't see a, a debate for this one. Jesus said, the day of my coming will be like the day that Lot went out of Sodom. The angels came to take Lot and his family out to safety, and because Lot was taking his sweet time, they said, look, you have to hurry because we can't judge this place until you're gone and arrive safely at your destination. Jesus said it was going to be just like that day. Jesus will rapture his church, and then comes the wrath of the Lamb. The seven-year clock starts at the beginning of the tribulation, and believers will not be here when it starts. The last mention of the church in Scripture is in Revelation chapter 3. Chapter 4 describes the throne in heaven. Chapter 5 describes the scroll of the Lamb. The seven seals are qualities essential to God and the Lamb that demand our praise. In chapter 6, the wrath begins. The Lord wants us to be comforted by these words, not in fear. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. These are believers who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. There's your non-believers. So why should we have hope? 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, I do, amen, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who sleep in Jesus, all of our believing loved ones, parents, grandparents, siblings, spouses, aunts, uncles, cousins, and dear friends. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, 100% trustworthy, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. This means the remains of those who have passed, absent from the Lord, present with, or absent from the body, present with the Lord. Paul is telling the Thessalonians and us that when Jesus raptures his church, believers living at the time have the Holy Spirit. Those that have passed are in the presence of the Lord. Both parties will have new indestructible bodies when we simultaneously unite with the Lord in this moment in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That will be a shout, voice of an archangel, and trumpet of God that only the saints will hear. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's the Greek word harpazo. means to pluck, pull, grab quickly, or take by force. The Latin word rapturo, this is where we get the word rapture. So if you have a Latin Bible, rapture is in your Bible. When people tell you, it doesn't exist. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Amen to that. This is an event that will happen in the air. Jesus will not descend all the way to the earth where everyone, you can see by everyone. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, therefore comfort one another with these words. I'm comforting you with these words. Believers will not be here for the wrath of the tribulation. Verse 5, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. How do we know that? The same way the kingdom kids know that Jesus loves them. The Bible tells us so. 1 Thessalonians 5.3, for when they, non-believers, say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. This is non-believers. 1 Thessalonians 5.4, but you, brethren, believers, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Why are believers not in darkness? Because we have the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.5, you are all sons and daughters of light and sons and daughters of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Not of darkness. Believers have no part in the day of the Lord because we've been rescued from the realm of darkness and are transferred to the kingdom of light. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. Let us not sleep. Paul is instructing the church, you and me, to pay attention to what's going on in the world around us. When the Bible says that Jesus will come like a thief in the night, that's for non-believers. They're clueless. They don't believe in the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. This is from the Amplified Translation. You may have noticed I'm bouncing uh, around. The Amplified Translation is one that somewhat embeds the study notes in the scripture. For God has not dis, dis, dis designed us to incur his wrath. That is, he did not select us to condemn us, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. What? He didn't appoint us to wrath? 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, comfort each other. Did you hear that? And edify means build up or encourage one another, just as you are also doing. Again, Jesus is 100% trustworthy. We can believe everything he has promised us. Want to survive the end times? Make sure you're a believer in Jesus. That's the simple matter of it. 
Revelation 6, verses 14 through 17. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him, Jesus, who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Does this sound like they were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage? No. Just like in the days of Noah and just like in the days of Lot, God is going to unleash his wrath after he removes the righteous. What was that? How are believers in Christ righteous? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he made him, God made Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteous of God in him. You see, Jesus, through his shed blood on the cross, we that believe are acceptable to the Father. We that believe will be spared from the wrath of the tribulation. COVID-19 is not the beginning of the tribulation. The church won't be here. God does not allow pestilences, wars, and violence that he has no use for. He makes use of everything. He has a plan. If he allowed it, there's a plan for it. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The tribulation isn't just judgment. It's the wrath of Almighty God. It will last for seven years. Billions of people will die a horrible death. Why is God taking vengeance on those left behind? Simple. They've rejected his son, Jesus. I've mentioned that the church believers will miss all of this. <laughs> I think so. That's right. All of this is we've been removed by the rapture prior to the start. We will spend that same seven years at the marriage supper of the Lamb with Jesus. So what do we do about this? We have to use this time to focus on what Jesus wants us to do. Win as many people as we can for his kingdom. We can't be distracted by COVID-19 guidelines, focus on this like it's something that's never happened. Uh, we don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like wearing a mask. I don't like not being able to come to church and fellowship with all of you. But the Lord has used this situation at this church specifically for us to grow in the ability to reach more people through the technology that we're using right now. We must preach the gospel. People we love, their eternal existence depends on it. Uh, many of you have the elements of communion ready and present for your family. The Lord instructed his disciples to take the bread as reference to his body and the cup as reference to his blood. He asked us to take those in remembrance of him. Uniquely from week to week, we challenge ourselves with what it is that we remember of him. This message today gives a tremendous insight 
into many things to remember him, what he's done for us, the rapturing of the church that will come. There's no doubt about that. Um, Here at the well, we're big on prayer. We're big on praying for you. When we meet here at the well, at the conclusion of our service, we have an altar ministry team of men and women that will come to the front. And when the service ends, those in attendance have the ability to get up, come forward, and ask for prayer for specific things. We are missing that. That is a huge resource that we haven't had. 23 weeks away from corporate gathering here at the well. So today, we're going to do something a little different. I ask you, what has the Holy Spirit been saying to you? What is the references to the rapture, the end times, the things that clearly evidence is indicating we're moving rapidly toward? Nobody's predicting a date or a time, but we have to be honest with ourselves and say that the things happening in our community and places around us are leading us to this point. There are loved ones, family, friends, co-workers, people we care deeply about, that are on the outside looking in on that rapture. We have an email here at the church. It was my favorite miracle. How cool is that? OVCFprayer at ovcfchurch.org. This isn't new. We've had this ability to do this, but um, this somewhat of a cyber altar call. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment in your faith to the Lord. Everybody has a family member. Everybody has friends. Everybody has coworkers. Everybody has important people in their life that we question their walk with Jesus. I want everybody to avail themselves of that email today. Whenever you see, if you're watching this live stream, as soon as we're finished, get on an email. You don't need to be specific. We don't need to know your full name. We don't need to know the full name of the people you want us to pray for. We don't even need to know the specifics of the prayer. Just ask us to pray for a name. The Holy Spirit knows who you're talking about. And when we pray for that person, the Holy Spirit will know what it's going on then too. And I just want everybody to really be able to make that happen. It's a call to action. Don't wait for someone else to do it. You praying on your own is terrific. How much greater is it when we bring the multitudes of the church family in to do that? When you avail yourself of that, uh, when you avail yourself of that, that email, that's going to come here to the well. We're going to break that down. We're going to pray about it. This isn't just some place where these things go to, to die or some, some email that gets deleted. This is a real, a real factor of prayer. We're going to lift up those that you care about and that you love. And we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit invade their life and pull them even harder toward himself. Um, Those of you that are out there listening, and I understand this is recorded and people may listen to this for some time. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it is so, so easy to have a relationship with him. If you would simply pray this prayer with me, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that he rose you on the third day. And I believe that you're Lord of my life. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to be present. I ask you to bring me your Holy Spirit. 
and let me have your resource and love. If you prayed that prayer, I believe that you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you just received the Holy Spirit. You've got to change your life. You've got to reevaluate all that you do. You've got to make a commitment to live his way. This word of God is an operations manual for this world. It's an operations manual for raising your children. It's an operation manual for your marriage. You know, marriage success is only about 50%. Sadly, in the church, it's not much different. When you follow the instruction in this book, your marriage has a 100% chance of success when you do it God's way. I ask that you would continue to pray for our country, pray for, pray for our state, pray for our community, pray for the children as they progress to school, however that looks. Pray for unity. Love one another like Jesus wants us to love one another. doesn't matter what we look like. We just want to love each other. I thank you for the opportunity to share with you today. And the end times prophecy is a subject matter that has no end to what we can study in the future. I look forward to hearing from all of you of your prayer concerns and praying for those needs. God bless you.
Well, once again, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Thank you, Randy, just for unpacking that uh, topic in Scripture and just inviting those of you who may not know Jesus today to invite him into your life. And for all of us to submit a name or a, something that we can pray for you about. That's something, like Randy said, that we take very seriously. And we just hope that there are many, many, many emails that come into that uh, email address at the church so that we can pray for you, pray for those that you know, pray for whatever it is that the Lord puts on your heart to send in. So I um, just want to close. Um, actually, I do want to remind you, like Tyler had talked about this Wednesday night, um, we do really miss getting together, and these Wednesday night opportunities are really a time where we have an opportunity to do that, to gather safely, to gather following kind of social distancing guidelines, but to be physically together, to rejoice together, to worship, and to hear you know, from God's word. So uh, really think about uh, joining us on Wednesday night out here. It's going to be a little bit cooler, and we'd love to see you there. And I want to just close with this um, few verses at the end of Psalm 118. It says, this is just a cry. This is a cry out to God. It says, you are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So thank you for joining us, and may you walk in his steadfast love this week. God bless you, and we hope to see you Wednesday. Take care.